Hey friends, welcome to the Redeemer Queens Park podcast. Redeemer exists to help connect Jesus to people, people to community and community to mission. We're gathering on Saturdays at 3pm to worship God and fellowship. If you ever have any questions or if we could be of help in any way at all, then please give us a shout at hello at redeemerqp.com. We hope you'll be encouraged as you hear another one of our Bible talks. Let's listen to the next episode. All right, so we are in 1 Peter 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse upon you. But they have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you, Seth. I can't thank you, the worship team, because I was part of that. That would sound a bit strange, wasn't it? Anyway, but thank you, the rest of the worship team. I'll try to make this thing come up. Um, as you probably noticed, so many young people, oh my God, I just feel old right now. God bless you guys. I'm so glad that you guys are here. My name is Lewis. I'm one of the pastors at Redeemer. Um, Probably, as my accent might have given away, I am American, South American, I just forgot to mention, uh, Brazilian. Um, so yeah, I've been here for 16 years and still can't speak English. Um, I married to beautiful Christiana over there. If you young people want to get married, you want to know the secret. Yeah, it is a miracle, isn't it? She married me. That's a lot of prayer, my friend. There's a lot of prayer. And I had a beautiful daughter up until recently. She, she just, just disappeared in the back. Laura, Laura, as we call her. It's right at the back. It is my pleasure to be here. We weren't expecting a lot of people today, but it feels like you filled the room. Amazing. Um, was that evangelism? No, you guys. So we have friends from America. Scott there. And two groups from America, right? Two groups. One from North Carolina and another one from... North Carolina is the place to be. If you ever want to go to America, North Carolina, that's it. I mean, I wouldn't go anywhere else. I mean, lots of houses to stay at. No, just joking. Uh, I was told, so as you know, our Pastor Thomas isn't here today. So I was really glad in a way, not glad that he's gone, but glad I said, wow, we can do church our way, right? I can be all, let all my Brazilianness to come out, be loud and everything like that. 
But since there's so many people here, he, you might find him at some point and tell him. And also, he's Seth is recording, isn't it? So I need to stick to the time. So I'll try my best. I promise you. Okay, I'll press the start, the timer thing. Well, we are in this theme. Um, <clears throat> First Peter is really a letter to encourage Christians. But I think before that, it's, it's important for us, especially for us young people, I love to say that, for us young people, for us to have an understanding what suffering really is and what it causes. Sometimes, and I told in my last sermon, like we need to understand what, 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 what suffering for the gospel is not in order for us to understand what it is, right? So not having what we want is not really suffering for the gospel, for example. So I explored that last time, but I'm, I'm sure you can understand it. But also there is something about us understanding the purpose of God, right? God came into our lives, if you're a Christian, uh, and if you're not, he wants to come into your life. And that's a point that we need to understand, not because of anything that he wants from us other than he wanting us. That's the core thing of the gospel. God is not reaching out to us so we can do things for him. He's reaching out to us because he loves us. John 3.16 is a famous verse you should know. I only know in Portuguese. No, just joking. Well, let's, let's say it together, right? For God so loved the So we were in the world at some point. Maybe you were born in a Christian home, but... Do you know what I mean? Like, until you know Christ, you are from the world. So, for God so loved the world, that what, what, what did he do? He gave his only begotten son. Isn't that amazing? Like, God, the essence of love is suffering. That's the thing. You might not know it, but ask your mom, right? I know it now. I had, well, I told you, Laura is the most wonderful kid. But how many of you can imagine or conceptualize in your mind that it's hard to have a kid. It's hard because I used to get home, for example, and I had the sofa only for me and Chris, and that was amazing. Now, I can't even think about what a sofa is anymore, let alone turn on the TV because she calls for my attention and I love it. So initially, it's a suffering because it's working in me something. Now, I don't even think about it because all I want is to be with Laura. So when God is asking us to suffer for the gospel, this is what he has in mind. There's no suffering for the gospel per se. What it is, is it's such a relationship that God has got so wonderful promises for us that we don't even consider anything on this earth suffering anymore. We just want to get there. Our home is heaven. This is what we're going to talk about today. But it gives you an insight into what the Bible is really about when they talk about Think of things above. These guys, just think about Peter himself, the guy who wrote the letter. He might have had an assistant to write there. It's like I do with my sermons. Like, did I write this correct? Oh, it doesn't sound right. But anyway, he might have had an assistant there because the writing, it doesn't look like Peter. Anyway, he is the guy who escaped suffering like no one else. He denied Jesus because he was afraid of being killed. So suffering wasn't a thing that he wanted to go through, was it? And then this guy is now talking about it. What happened? So the last time I preached, I talked about the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in us to be our helper, our guide in life. And this is what happened to Peter in Pentecost. He received the Holy Spirit, the helper, that will enable him to be like Jesus. Jesus. 
Does that make sense? We all receive the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus, when he looks at us, you can do the same things I, the same things I do. Even greater things you can do. Just think about that. He's thinking about the enabler that's inside of all of us, the Holy Spirit. Anyway, just to give you, that's not even his introduction. Um, if I talk too much, please let me know. You're not going to let me know, right? Um, so the background of this letter, you just, just need to think about this. So Peter is in Rome, most likely. So Rome is this place of idol worship. It's a terrible place to be at. He's writing to Christians in Asia Minor, present times Turkey. I say this as it's true. Every time I talk to Turkey, it feels like I'm hungry. It's like I think about food. I don't know why. But he's writing to them and encouraging them to remain faithful to God. And there is a reason for it. We're going to find out. That's, that's the encouragement. I don't think he would be very popular making an encouragement, like inviting him to be an, okay, say something in church and, and encourage them. Because the main thing he's talking about is this, like this, his encouragement flow through three lines. One is Christ suffered. So you will suffer as Christ's followers. If we stop right there, that's terrible, isn't it? Well, but the Bible says that we ought to share in the sufferings of Christ because if we do that, we're going to share in his glory. That really is the promise. And what happened with Peter was a mindset shift. When the Holy Spirit came upon him, he started to go for it. And he started to rejoice in the fact that the very persecution he was under proved to him he was a follower of Christ. And he realized that because Christ rose from the dead that everything that Christ talked about was true so what Jesus actually said and that was the promise is okay I'm with you now so you ought to do these things but I'll go and I'll send you the helper but if I don't go, I'll go and prepare for you at home and that's the main thing about Peter he understood heaven like no one else he started to realize that life he is rather short in comparison to eternity and that's, I think, is the call for us now. So I'm sorry if you're really expecting a very encouraging sermon, but it's actually encouraging for me. And from what I hear Peter saying, it's rather a wake-up call for us Christians in the last times. And if you're not Christian, you're here. You are having an insight into the full Christian operation, right? If you understand that actually... This group of people is seeking to share the gospel so people can be reconciled to God and live in heaven. Then you understand that there is a reason behind it that is the love of God for you, right? For all of us. So, uh, why do we suffer when we seek to serve God? That's a question a lot of us ponder upon, even Christians. But that's not a question the apostles uh, thought of quite often. In fact, as I, as I told you, so if you go to Matthew, you don't need to go, but I'm going to mention it. Matthew 5, 11 and 10, 22, it talks about actually the fact that they rejoiced in the persecution. So just think about that. Something changed. And now they were seeing that because they lived, their lives changed around, they're starting to be persecuted. So we showed them that they're on, the wrong, they're on the right side of the story. They are doing right. They were following Jesus. They were seen as followers of Jesus. In fact, when people um, persecuted them, they're persecuting 
the cause of Jesus, the gospel. Um, the other thing is, I'm going to read what John Piper said. So there, there are good reasons in the scriptures to believe that the Great Commission will not be completed without suffering. One of these reasons is, is that when Jesus said that the gospel will be preached throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations, he also said in the same context, you will be hated by all nations, Matthew 24, 9 and 14. In, all, in other words, wherever you go among the nations, your efforts to bring good news to everlasting, of everlasting life will be met with joy in some and anger in many. That seems to be quite... Uh, accurate right so in this context of suffering there is a spiritual context uh, that for me flows in two points one is we suffer because of love so first is the the love of god reached out to us found us somewhere so there is uh, this abounding love of god that flow through the scriptures flow uh, through jesus's life and reached us but there is this, <clears throat> what was the love God, how was the, the love of God demonstrated? We all know that, don't we? So Second uh, Corinthians 5.22 is going to talk about the fact that God sent Jesus to die for our sin so we could, he received our punishment, the punishment we deserved so we could receive the righteousness he had, he has, he gave it to us. There was this exchange there. So God is the initiator of love. God is love. So he loved it and demonstrated this by sacrificing his only son for our benefit so we could inherit the righteousness of God. I love the, the definition of love in the Bible, but especially the Amplified Version. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5, love endures, suffers with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. And is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked very easily or nor is overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account wrong endured. This whole thing of suffering again. Have you ever thought in the Bible that there is some things in there that they actually close a, a, a circle in a sense, well, I'm asked to forgive always, right? So how can I have anything against anyone anyway? How can I pay attention to suffering done to me if I'm asked to forgive? There's no way, right? If, if, if I'm about to love my enemies, I'm supposed and asked to offer the same thing the love that the kind of love that God offers, which is a sacrificial love. So the second point is we suffer in order to be shaped into the image of Christ. When we say, and we hear in scriptures, yet not I live, but Christ lives in me, is actually telling me that now I ought to live a sacrificial life that I will in turn. I use the expression here, chisel away, I stole it from somewhere, the imperfections, so that the image in, of Christ in me can shine brightly. And there is this apparently famous guy, Michelangelo, you might have heard of him. He's a guy that did a little bit of sculpture here and painting. Um, he said this, the sculpture is already complete within the, the marble block before I start my work. It's already there. 
I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. That's such a hard word for me. Uh, so just think about that. Everyone starts to, to think about that thing, the block of, I mean, it would be, if I attempt, had an, a go at it, it would be the most horrible sculpture ever. And I'm trying to think about it, it ended up with nothing there. That's most likely what happened. So the guy was saying, oh, my, my, my thinking process is, I actually see it ready, and then I start chiseling away what's not necessary there. So this is what suffering does with us. I don't think Peter is really encouraging us. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. I, I mean, other than, are there any English, born and bred English people here? One. You might tell me if I'm wrong, but that's my experience here now. There is such a thing with society nowadays, and, and, and that being challenged is a problem. I'm not sure if that's the same in America, especially with young people. Being challenged is a problem. And the thing is, you're going to see this in language. For example, my, my colleagues at work, they'll say things for me that in my background, they don't sound well. They would say things, oh, Lewis, uh, have you managed to finish that report? I said, not yet. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're going through so much trouble. Oh, it's not a problem. Um, it's okay. okay. Well, that's not me not doing the report, but I'm just pretending it was. But that's the language here. Oh, don't worry. It's all right. Oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm so sorry. There, is, there seems to be an, a huge effort of making allowances and spaces, and that's okay. But what I'm saying here, that's different from what the Bible, uh, the, the biblical approach that we see in Paul, for example, writing to the Galatians, right? He actually challenges them when he sees sin. So I can talk about myself. I have a South American mom. So by comparison, South American moms, they have their own kind of rule of law. They just make as they go along. And that's really ultimately what works and what you should abide by. So my mom, she would say things like, oh, I don't want you to go there. I said, why? Because I'm saying you, I don't want you to go there. And if I asked a second time, I would be met with a lot of, yeah, you, you get it. Do you know what I mean? There was no questioning. That's supposed not to be questioning. That's where we're heading now. I think there needs to be a change, a shift in our mindset as Christians. I'm talking about Christians here. Because when we say, for example, the Lord is my shepherd, isn't that beautiful? Isn't he taking you out to the green pastures that he has? What is that? What could be the green pastures for you beside rivers of still waters? That's a beautiful thing. But that's not going to happen until Jesus becomes our Lord. It starts with him being our Lord. And when we have a Lord, we submit to him. That's really the language here. That's why Peter is taking this approach. I understand now that I'm following Jesus. So I ought to obey him because he knows what's best. So I think Peter, rather than uh, just an encouragement, he's, he has a call of and for commitment. And we ought to understand that we are at war. That's the thing for Christians. We need to wake up to this reality. We are at war. And it's not, uh, uh, um, how do I say? We know that we have victory in Christ. We're going to win in the end. That's a beautiful thing. But I still need to 
is step out every day and understand that the message of the gospel is preached through my life more than by my words. So when it says in verse 1, therefore Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. My thing is here, we need to embrace the same way of thinking that Jesus had. He was willing to die for us, to die in our place. I think we need to come to terms with the reality of war. We are at war against the kingdom of darkness. The Bible is very clear that our fighting not against flesh nor blood, but against principalities and powers in, in the spiritual realm. So <clears throat> I think the other thing is, so we're going to go through a few things we need to wake up to. So we are at war. We have an enemy. In this life, when we seek to do God's will, we ought to expect opposition. That's the thing. It's a beautiful thing to see flowers in everywhere we go and expect people to react to us with love and mercy and, and all these things. But the reality is, is if when we seek to serve God and put God first, we going to, we're going to find opposition. And normally starts within the home. Do you know what I mean? My brothers, as I was growing up, Going to church, oh, there he goes, he goes again. Oh, okay, yeah, the church boy, mommy's boy, da-da-da. Do you know, it started very early on for me. I'm not sure for you. So we have an enemy. So understanding that we ought to expect opposition. The other thing is I just told you about we are not in charge. It is a war. I'm a soldier. I'm prepared for the fight. I have my shield of faith and all these things, but I'm not in charge. Jesus is general, and our job is to obey him. We ought to submit to the lordship, lordship of Jesus. And this is a beautiful thing, because we know that with everything, we have the resting, the abiding place that Jesus has for us. In times of fight, sometimes you need to retract and hide a little bit to gain breath. And that's what Jesus has to offer. That's the thing he promised. He would be with us in this fight. And that's a reassuring thing for me. Another thing we need to do is we need to prepare for the fight. Um, just what the verse says, arm yourselves. In any war, the countries involved cannot afford to use anything else other than the best weaponry at their disposal. Up until recently, I wrote this down because I found it interesting. I like numbers sometimes. It's not doesn't mean that I'm good at numbers. Just like them. Just like seeing them. Uh, it talked about World War World War, World War II. And, and do you know in Japan they dropped two bombs? I don't know who dropped the bombs. I'm not going to talk about that. But, right, better not talk about that. Very unpopular with the crowd. Um, and just for you to understand, the two bombs combined had 40,000 tons of TNT. Well, that's like can cook a chicken like miles away. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... it's probably a terrible example since people died but then this bomb that is considered the most lethal bomb is called Tsar bomb oh I even did a sound with the pronunciation Tsar bomb has 50 megaton which means he has 50 million tons of TNT so all that to say that we ought to use the best weapons we have at our disposal our weapon is and it's the most powerful one, a changed mind. This is the thing that Peter's talking about. You need to change your mind. 
because you have to realize the people he's writing to is living in a society that's, that's uh, permeated by sin, idolatry and all of that. So these Christians are there. But what happened is they start to stop going to clubs. They stop buying the idols of worship. They stopped buying the statues and all of that. So now they are being ostracized. They're being looked down upon. It's, it's like, we don't like you anymore. So it goes really to say that the world is only going to like us if we join them in their sinning, in their way of life, right? So you ought to expect that it would... We should, we ought to expect that it will change as we seek to serve the Lord. So our journeys through suffering can lead us to two places. To sin, resentment and sin, <clears throat> or hope. This is really uh, the difference here. We need to understand we are not glorifying suffering for the sake of it. Because there's people that suffer for doing wrong, right? There's people in prison for it. So suffering itself it's not the thing. It's suffering for the cause of the gospel is the thing. So we ought to look at how Jesus did it. So verse 1 and 2 is going to talk about Jesus, how he was committed, how he committed himself fully to the will of God. So God calls us uh, to have nothing greater than the commitment Jesus had. He was willing to die for us. So uh, we ought to endure uh, we ought to embrace a lifestyle of commitment to God in, 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 in the face of trials and, and sufferings. It might be that you're in school and the workplace, you come across unjustified attacks or um, someone that you love is becoming loyal to you, whatever this is. Um, our way of sacrificing is having the same attitude of Jesus by not holding the grudge, by making allowances, by forgiving people. I love this story here in this book, again, uh, World, War II, uh, World War II veteran, uh, Ernest Gordon tells the story uh, of a time in, in his time in Japanese prison camp. Uh, he says that the, the torture there got to a level where everyone became so desperate that uh, men, they were fighting against each other. One day a shovel was declared missing, so the guards demanded that the men responsible to step forward, no one moved. So then the guards raised their machine guns, warning them, unless the guilty men stepped forward, everyone would die. One prisoner stepped forward. He was bitten to death. It was later discovered no shovel was missing. There had been a miscount. So what happened was this prisoner offered himself to be sacrificed to save others. Well, we have a savior who did the same in a most uh, beautiful way, right? Jesus, the son of God. So if God himself was willing to sacrifice everything for us, how might our communities, our homes, our neighbors be changed as, as this God, as this suffering uh, way, as, as this Sacrificial love becomes a feature in our lives. How would, it, how would people be impacted by you if you respond with love at all, at, under any circumstances? Another thing that Jesus did, he went all in without sinning nor compromising. Compromise is, is such a thing, isn't it? We're tempted all the time to compromise. 
And sometimes we want to do it just for the sake of winning somebody to Jesus. Isn't that the thing? Is this, we're really tempted to do it. Oh, it's just a drink. It's just this. Oh, um, maybe I ought to go to that club because how would they hear about Jesus? So it starts well, right, in our dreams. And we feel like we're going to share the gospel when we get there. But suddenly we realize, well, yeah, they have the mic and you don't. So um, it doesn't work well normally. For example, Jesus did not compromise when Peter, his disciple, told him not to go to the cross. Imagine if he had done that. Well, I just feel like that our attitude ought to show Jesus to the world. You know when the Bible says, pick up your cross and follow me? Well, Jesus said that, right? Picking up your cross, from what I understand the biblical uh, context, is you embracing the sacrificial love of Jesus. And in a way, you starving your flesh to death, but not yielding to the evil desires it might have. And this is for the greater cause of the gospel. Jesus served with heaven in mind. The concept, the concept of heaven plays out in the minds of all people, Christians and non-Christians. And a lot of people do agree that there's more to life than this. Sadly, a lot of the Christians are fully invested in life here and really think that by doing some church on the weekend, we'll take them to heaven. Jesus teaches, teaches us to live here with our minds there. Set your minds on the things above, no, not on earthly things. Colossians 3, 2. Matthew 6, 19, 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart here is the concept of a changed mind. is where your mind is, we do not ought to believe like, to live like the world. We do that in order to cultivate a life of prayer, to show genuine love and hospitality. That's what the verse is talking about. Jesus used his gifts to glorify God, verses 10 and 11. We know that God anointed Jesus to go about, that's what the Bible says, right? This, uh, go about doing good, healing all. And he says in Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, so uh, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery uh, of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed. So the very mission of Jesus shows God's love. So God anointed Jesus to serve us, to reach us, to heal us, to save us. So when you think about suffering, you need to understand this. You're made part of God's mission. So you've been anointed to undergo suffering and show Jesus to the world as you suffer. And how is it an encouragement? That's a very hard case I have in my hands right now to sort this out, isn't it? Um, my thing is this. We are not um, ever going to understand suffering the way Jesus did, if we don't understand that we're really not from here. 
is a difficult thing to get wrap our, our, our head around. This thing about us belonging to heaven, living on earth, is a thing that we're only going to understand when Jesus says things like this. Um, let me pull it up. John 14, 1, 5. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. And if it were not so, what would I have told you that I wouldn't have told you that I'm going away to prepare for you a place where you would be. When everything is ready, I'll come and get you. I love this verse. So the real encouragement here for us is that we might not understand what really heaven is about, but we ought to understand who our Lord Jesus is. He is from heaven. He, bring, he brought heaven to us. Remember this, in heaven there is no sickness, no disease, there is no suffering, there is no that. What Jesus did? He came to the earth. He walked, manifesting in heaven. Wherever he went, he healed the sick. He received the sinner. That's really God's way of saying it. So you have heaven inside of you. And as you start to go through life serving and loving others, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruits that you have in you will start to show. And what it is is, you don't have, a tree doesn't have fruits for itself. I've never seen a tree eat its own fruit, right? Unless it was, yeah, a terrible tree would that be. Then you have to, ought to think about that. The things that God is working and forging in you are not for you. Because in God's mind, you have everything that you need, right? Through the Holy Spirit, we are connected to heaven in what way? In our changed mind. We ought to change our mind to the reality of the gospel. The suffering of the Christian are meant to point them to Jesus, our hiding place. And ultimately, to the good shepherd that is coming to get us home. As we are committed to serve, there's a few encouragements from uh, Colossians. Set your minds on things above. Put to death the components of your earthly nature. Clothe yourselves with hearts of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive any complaint you may have against someone else. Put on love. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.17 I'm going to ask you to stand as we're going to sing the last song. Um, this theme of suffering for the gospel is a thing that has not uh, been easy for me in the sense that it's not been... I've never seen it as my reality because we know the suffering they suffered. It's unlikely that we're going to suffer in the same way if we live either in America or here. But I was mistaken because... The real thing of the suffering is not what our bodies can go through. It's really our hearts. God is after my heart and after your heart. We can suffer in our, heart, in our hearts when we put ourselves in other people's shoes. We can suffer in our hearts when we think about someone that's ill and we see ourselves there. We can suffer in our hearts when we offer to love somebody that's challenging to love. Because we've been loved by God, the creator of the universe. So we can put ourselves 
in the shoes of other people so that what they go through is important to me. So in turn, that will happen is I start to forget about myself. So I'm not in the peak in the picture anymore. So then Jesus really starts to live in me, shine, his light shining through me. And that's the aim of the gospel. And the real thing is this, you might say, wow, that's not really a thing, right? But brothers and sisters, life here is, 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 is like a vapor, isn't it? We're gonna live here, what, 80, 90 years the most. Okay, 100, some of you, okay. But I, I think we ought to start thinking about our eternal home, where Jesus is. Just think about this. The Son of God went there. And that's the most beautiful thing. It's so true. I was talking about to a friend about the Jewish wedding. It's such a beautiful picture. You go and study uh, about a, the, the, the Jewish wedding. Jesus, Jesus was Jewish. And it talks about this thing of the guy going to the girl's home and telling the parents and paying the fee for the marriage. And then he says, okay, I'm going to go to my father's house. That's exactly what happened, right? I'm gonna, he would go to home for a year to prepare the house to receive the wife and he will come back for her so how about how amazing is this how is it possible that jesus died and he said i'm going to the father to prepare a place for you but i'll come to get you let's commit ourselves to jesus he's coming soon let's sing